0: If you're able to you remain standing for a moment longer, we're going to turn into Ephesians chapter 5 for what may be the last sermon on this passage. Uh, we're going to read verses 8 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 5. This is the word of our Lord. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, as Christ will give you light. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our eyes to see great light from it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The, the title of the sermon is Darkness Exposed. And last week, we started looking at this passage and we saw the positive side of being children of light. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to the sermon online. Uh, so you have the first part of this sermon. And what we saw is that the Christian has been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan himself, and translated to, or conveyed into the kingdom of the Son, whom God loves. And because of his or her union with Christ... Who is light himself, we have become children of light. It's not something that we do, it's something who we are. We are children of light. And last day, last Lord's Day, we examined the positive reality of being the light of Christ in a dying world. Today, I want to look at the more negative side of it. So last week, last week we saw the positive things we can do to be light. Today, I want, to see, uh, want us to talk about what we're supposed to do to expose darkness. And there's a more of a negative connotation to that. So that's our goal for today. What, how are we going to expose darkness? As we walk as children of light, how are we going to shine the light in this dark and dying world? In the uh, first half of the 19th century... Uh, the Scottish Presbyterian pastor and scientist Thomas Traumers preached a sermon that he titled The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. It's uh, linked in our website if you want to read it. Uh, it's there under links. And it's also on the podcast notes for this uh, sermon. His text was First John two fifteen, which reads, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And his main point on this particular sermon was that when somebody comes to know the love of God and responds to that love, in love, every other sinful affection is expelled, is ejected from his or her heart. It happens perfectly at the moment of faith, and it continues to happen as we are sanctified. The more we grow in love with Christ in light of His love for us, the more any other affection any other sinful affection is ejected from our hearts. And we see that we've, we can say the same thing as far as the light of Christ in our lives goes. Once the light invades our lives, darkness, which is any sinful thoughts, any sinful ideas, any sinful behaviors, any sinful beliefs, any sinful actions, any sinful words, darkness is expelled. Again, this happens right away. Perfectly, when we declared righteous before God. But also it happens as we are sanctified. More and more, the light that's in us expels, ejects darkness that is remains in us. And this expulsion, this ejection, this being kicked out, happens not only in our own hearts, but also in the world around us as we walk as children of light. It's interesting that if you read the Bible, particularly Paul's writings, there's no such category... For a Christian who is not also light, there's no such category. For a Christian who is not also exposing darkness, that's just what we do because we are light. Our Lord Jesus also taught the same thing. He talked. He said it would be absurd for you to light a lamp and then put a basket over it. That's unheard of. Only foolish people do that. That'll be the same thing as a Christian who is not shining bright for the Lord. There's no such category there so today we're going to talk a little more specifically about exposing darkness as we are children of light and the first thing we want to see is that those who are the light of christ do not participate in what is characterized as darkness those who are the light of christ do not participate in what is characterized what the scriptures call darkness look at verse 11 And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with them. Now, the idea of fellowship is not, the idea of not having fellowship is not the same as not having any contact. That's not what fellowship means. After all, remember in John 17, when the Lord is praying for you and for me, in verses 14 through 16, He says that He's not asking that the Father would take us out of the world, but that in the world, we might be spared from the world. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, when Paul is addressing the church's attitude towards sin, particularly the sin of a man who was having some sort of sexual relationship with the a wife of his father, he said, I, I told you to not tolerate sexual immorality, but I meant it in the church, because if you're going to never have contact with the sexual immorality outside of the church, you're not going to go anywhere. So, Not having fellowship is not not the same as not having contact. The church, I think, historically has misinterpreted something, practices like this one and has isolated itself and turned itself into a, a ghetto mentality in which it has no contact with anybody that is not just like our tribe. The idea of fellowship is the idea of participating, of enjoying, the works of darkness. Uh, just to give an example, uh, two other passages that use the very same word as we have as fellowship here in Ephesians five eleven, but translated differently. For example, in Philippians chapter four verse fourteen, Paul says, "Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress." The word share there is the same word translated "fellowship" in Ephesians chapter five eleven. In the book of Revelation. Uh, it, we read, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, "Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins." Again, share there is the same word as fellowship in verse eleven of Ephesians five. So the idea of fellowship in here is the idea of not participating. Is not the idea of never having contact with because we can't really be light if we don't have some contact with darkness. Does it make sense to you? We cannot really expose darkness if you're never close to to some of that. And notice, Notice the contrast between the result of the presence of light and the presence of darkness in one's life. Look again at verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The light of Christ in your life produces fruit. We saw that in verse 9. Goodness, righteousness, truth. Darkness doesn't produce anything good. And we need to be convinced of that. Here it says is unfruitful. It's barren. It does not produce anything. It goes nowhere. Uh, as, a, as I mentioned last week, the, uh, the secular, the atheists, consider themselves enlightened. The Enlightenment that happened a couple hundred years ago, in essence, supposedly freed man from the tyranny of religion. And yet, our Lord Jesus says, he who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And those who are calling themselves the enlightened ones, the children of enlightenment, are actually the ones that are going nowhere. And yet, light is in us, and we can see light because we are in Jesus Christ. Light in our lives is the result of God's grace and love shed in our hearts through the regenerating work of the Spirit of God. Darkness, on the other hand, is the work of man's heart when left to its own device. So we we have here Paul contrasting these two things and how darkness cannot be present where light is. Now... What does fellowshipping or sharing in the works of darkness look like in practice? What is it that Paul is forbidding us to do here? Uh, This is primarily, think primarily of the sins of commission. A sin of commission is doing the very things that God forbids you from doing. God says, don't commit adultery, you commit adultery. Don't take my name in vain, you you take his name in vain. Think primarily of that, that kind of sin. But there's a little more to it, though, because in this idea of Sharing in the works of darkness, we have the idea also of um, approving the sins. The sharing in the, in the fruitful works of darkness includes not only the doing of it, but also the approving of it. Even if, if one is not doing the sin, if he or she is approving of the sin, that's sharing in the fruitful works of darkness. Now, we, we, as Christians, we may refrain from doing something, but we might look at it longingly and wishing that we were right there with them. And sometimes we look at the ones doing whatever that thing that we're not doing with, with resentment, because we wish we were able to do what they're, they're doing. That in part is sharing in the works of darkness. We're also sharing in the works of darkness when we have the power or opportunity to do something to bring light to darkness and we choose not to do so. When God is put in that position where we have the ability and the opportunity to do something about those works of darkness, and we choose not to do so. Now, you've all heard the expression, we must pick our battles. It's a wise saying as it goes, but implied in that saying is that we do pick battles. We can't just go through life without doing anything about the opportunities that God is given to us to shine light in darkness. Now, I've been talking about darkness for a few minutes now and I've never really defined it. Uh, I'm going to give you some examples of the works of darkness. What I'm going to say now is in no way exhaustive because our, the heart of, the, of humanity, the heart of uh, one without Christ, is very creative as far as sin goes. But a, a passage that uh, does give us quite a few categories to think about is uh, Romans chapter 1. I'd love if you could to turn there as, to give you some examples of what these fruits, these works of darkness are. Look at uh, Romans 1. And starting in verse 18, we have, Paul says that suppressing or holding down the truth about God in unrighteousness is a fruit or is a work of, of darkness, look at look at verse eighteen of, of Romans one. For the wrath of God is revealed from the he- from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, be understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul says. When we know the truth of God, when you know God exists, when we suppress that, when we hold that down, when we hide that, that is a work of darkness. He also says that not glorifying God or being thankful to Him is a work of darkness. Look at verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It always amazes me, because I, I, I forget that, and I don't think that way, that how thankfulness to God is always listed way up there in the lists of virtues in the Bible, and unthankfulness, ungratefulness is always listed way up there in the list of sins in the Bible. And one of the works of darkness is not being thankful for God God has done in creation and in redemption. An unthankful heart is a dark heart which is to say that a selfish heart is a dark heart because thankfulness comes out of selflessness. Paul also says that, that exchanging the worship of God for the worship of creation is a work of darkness. Look at verse 22 and 23. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and creeping Things we may not have little statues of animals that we worship, though our culture is changing so much, and there's so much emphasis on Eastern uh, spiritualism and so on that I think soon we're going to see again literal idol worship becoming a thing in our modern or postmodern society. But so, but it still might not be there. And yet we live in a culture that worships the environment. We live at a time where the baby whale is worth more than the baby human where there is a bigger deal to find a whale dead than to have millions of babies killed every year without any consideration. And even Christians think that there are more important issues than the issue of life when considering who to vote. And there are more things concerning the issues of life than life at conception. But if you discard that, any other issue concerning life becomes mute. If we're not solid as to when life begins, we've given up on any other issues. It doesn't matter. That is the floor. That's the minimum there. And when we, we throw that out, when it's not important to us anymore, when you think there are things that are more important than that, as far as public policy and so on, we've ceased to be humans And you become animals. And we are worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Paul also says that exchanging the truth of God for a lie is a work of darkness. Look at verses 24 and 25. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their flesh to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Did you notice that it says they exchange the truth for the lie, Is specific lie, and you look uh, down the passage, you're going to see that the lie is the lie concerning gender issues. That's the the, the lie that uh, Paul is referring here. The uh, Any concept of gender that is a part of from the created way that God made us, biologically male, biologically female, is a work of darkness. It's as simple as that. It's not a complicated issue. It's as simple as that. It's just a binary issue, and that anything other than that is a work of darkness. Darkness, And yet, that's not where we are today anymore, right? We are right back where Isaiah was, where he said that even the religious leaders were calling what's good evil and not evil is good. What was, and that's where we are today. And what does Isaiah say? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Paul doesn't stop there. If you haven't had enough yet, if we haven't been politically incorrect enough yet, look at verses 26 and 27, where Paul says that homosexuality is a work of darkness. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the man... Leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts for another man, with man committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. And people have tried to make this about something else, but what Paul is saying, that homosexuality comes from the darkness of the sinful heart. Those are things that we're not supposed to have fellowship or share. In. And if it wasn't enough, then Paul gives us all kinds of categories of behavior and thought that are consistent with darkness and not light. Look at verses 29 to the end of the chapter. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, envy, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them." Now, not going to make a lot of friends with this passage, are we? And yet Paul says, these are all works of darkness. And do you know why we need to talk about these things? Do you know why we need to have these uncomfortable sermons? Do you know why we need to talk about uh, uh, that these things are wrong? Because that's the only way we're going to shine light upon them. And those who are the light of Christ drive away darkness. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Look again at verse 11. And have no fellowship with them, fruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Then in verse 13, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. If a Christian is walking, that is, if a Christian is living as a child of light, his or her very presence will drive darkness away. If you're just being what God has made you to be as a believer in Jesus Christ, your very presence will drive darkness away. Notice that's not driving people away. It's driving darkness away. There's a big difference here. The imagery that Paul uses requires the understanding that light and darkness cannot coexist. He's just appealing to the simple observation of nature. If there is light, there is no darkness. If there is darkness, there is no light. And the word expose here in verse 11 carries not only the idea of expose, but also the idea of reproving. For example, in Matthew 18, verse 15, the famous church discipline passage, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, you go and tell him his fault. The word tell is the word expose in Ephesians 5, 11. In Luke 3, Talking about what John the Baptist had done to Herod. In verse 19, it says Herod the Tetrarch being rebuked by John the Baptist concerning Herodias. In John 8 46, Jesus is speaking to his religious uh, opponents. He says, Which of you convicts me of sin? That word convict is again the word exposed in Ephesians 5. In one Corinthians fourteen twenty four, where Paul is talking about the foolishness of speaking in unknown tongues in a church service, he says, "If all prophesy and, un- and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced." Again, the word convinced is the word "expose" back in Ephesians five, and this word carries all these elements with it, and that's what the children of light do: they expose, they tell, they rebuke, they speak clearly. They shine light in people's lives. How do the children of light expose and rebuke darkness? How do we do that? Again, I'm going to be Captain Obvious. By being light. That's what we'll be talking about. Look at verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. So how do we expose and rebuke darkness? We do that by speaking what is true... And backing that up by living what is true. Those two things have to be together. We expose darkness by speaking what is truth and backing that up by doing what is true. We expose and rebuke darkness by addressing what is wrong in the world. Exposing means pointing out and making it clear. The church today is marginalized. You know what marginalized means? It means being at the edge, far away from the center. No no relevance. And it wasn't pushed to the margin by the world. The church itself put itself in the margin by deciding that it had to be careful about what it spoke about from the Word of God. By deciding that they had to be friendly to those that were seeking Jesus but were not believers. By deciding that the purpose of the sermon is to somehow sell Jesus to people instead of worshiping the God above and by doing that, the church relegated itself to irrelevance, and that's why the church today in the United States does not have a voice. It used to be in the first half of the 1900s, till up through 1950s, that anything that happened, the newspaper, the first one of the first people they would talk to would be the pastor, to see what the church's opinion on the problem on the issue was. Now, who cares? Right? Who cares? Why that's the case? Because we have decided, we, and I'm not blaming anyone in particular, but we, the church, have decided that our light should be hidden so that the world cannot clearly see that anymore. To use a different, uh, a different analogy that Paul used in 1 Corinthians 15, we decided to play a trumpet quietly. You know, uh, I don't even know that's possible. I remember uh, um, Emily's, one of Emily's brothers played the, the trumpet. And uh, he was not the most gifted trumpet player in the world. And the, the, the sisters would always make him practice outside in the cold. And uh, it was uncomfortable. But everybody could hear that Joe was playing the trumpet. We decided to put a silencer on our trumpet as a church. And the signal we've been playing is not very clear. Our light's not very bright. And we chose to do that. No wonder there is so much darkness surrounding us. And we cannot really expose darkness if we are not engaging with what is going on around us. We cannot be ostriches. We cannot stick our heads in the sand and not engage with what's going on around us. And we, we expose darkness by exposing false ideas. We need Christians who write well, who speak well, who reason well. I'm not a fan of, of conservative talk show because I think, in my opinion, they commit the same errors as the liberal talk show. And that is, they're irrational a lot of the times. We need rational, reasonable, Christians to write, to speak, to whatever you do, tweet. I don't know if it can be visible in TikTok, so we'll give that that out. But we need Christians to be able to articulate what is right and expose what is wrong, so that we can shine a light in darkness. Everything we do has an apologetic end to it. We are defending our faith. That's why we teach our kids. That's why you all should be able to write and write well. So that you can expose darkness in the world. Uh, Paul is speaking to the elders. As the, not as the supreme Christian, but as the representative Christian. The, the, the elder is supposed to be an example of what every man, every Christian should be. And in talking to the elders, he says that the elders must both exhort and convict those who contradict. Contradict. And that's what we as Christians must be able to do. But I tell you, as you expose darkness, you will not be received as everyone's best friend. As you just walk as children of life, you're not going to be received as everyone's best friend. And if that's what you desire in life, you're going to be a very dim light. The scriptures say that the fear of man is a snare. And I even feel that preaching this sermon. I I prefer to be talking about Unicorns and cotton candy then talking about this. Because the fear of man is something that is powerful over all of us. But if that's what we desire, we're going to be a very dim light instead of the shining light that the church is called to be. That city on the the hill that everybody can see. At the same time though, those that are the brightest lights don't necessarily feel comfortable exposing darkness. The people that you don't want to expose darkness is the people who feel like they're called to do so. You know, the guy says, "I am the chief exposer. I'm here to drive darkness away." That's probably not the guy that you want to talk to unbelievers, because that guy's going to be arrogant. He's going to be proud, self centered, and is going to be more interested in destroying people than showing Christ to them. We we expose darkness, but we do with a certain fearfulness in our hearts because we love the people even though we want the darkness to be driven away from where they are now it is important that we realize that we are naturally disinclined to expose to to oppose to rebuke darkness so paul quotes a familiar hymn to them in verse 14 where paul says therefore he says awake you who sleep arise from the dead and christ will give you light This is a, uh, it's not a quote from the Old Testament, it's a reference uh, perhaps based on Isaiah 60 verse 1. It's not found this way anywhere in the uh, Old Testament, but it is a metered passage. Uh, In my version, you have three lines. Awake you who sleep is one line, arise from the dead is another line, and Christ will give you lights another line. These are three metered lines. So In Greek, they would make good Greek poetry. You could sing it. So it's likely that Paul is addressing a hymn that they sang in church. Hey, guys, remember the hymn you sing all the time? That's what Paul is doing here. Remember how he says that you have come, you're awake. You're the most awoke people in the world. is the church of Jesus Christ. You've been awakened by the Spirit of God. Now you shine. And he needed to remind them because them and us tend to not want to be those who shine light in people's, in, in darkness. And those who are the light of Christ will think the same thing as God does concerning the works of darkness. Look at verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. We deal with darkness, but we don't dwell in it. We don't spend time talking about these works. We don't publicize them or romanticize them. Whatever God says about these works of darkness, we believe and act accordingly. We don't remain in them. And as we come to close to an ending here, let me finish with two positive thoughts of being very in your face, perhaps more you know, militant than the usual. But we need that as well. But let me finish with two positive, more positive thoughts. One is that even in the midst of all that darkness, there is hope. As wicked as these sins are, they can be corrected by the light of God. There's no one who God can't change. There's no battle that God cannot win. There's no darkness that the light of Christ cannot drive away. God uses people like you and me to shine away the darkness that so dominates lives and to free them from themselves. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And we as lights have the most sure job. Christ says that he will conquer darkness. So all that we do is we walk out in Christ's name and we Shine the light that He's given to us. And now, as we really finish, let me finish with one less positive way to shine as lights. And I would love for you to turn for a moment to Philippians chapter two as we finish here this this morning to add to what we've seen from Ephesians. So, if you have been upset about things so far, if you've been bored by things so far, if you've been just, whatever, not enough coffee. This, this is it. Take take this on If nothing else, take this. What's going... We're going to say next, okay? Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast... The word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. This is it. You want to be the light that God has made you? We are at our brightest when we are content with Christ. We are at our brightest when we are content with Christ. All grumbling. All disputing is really against God, who is sovereign over all our circumstances. When we grumble, we are really saying, God, you are not doing a very good job at directing my life. Shining as light through contentment is what we're called to do. And shining as light through contentment is especially powerful in times of trials in our lives. When is it that you can see stars? The word for shine here in Philippians chapter 2 is the word for stars. When can you see the stars the the best? When are they the brightest in the skies? In the darkest nights. The moon is out. The full moon is out. You can see them not much. They're still shining when the sun is out, and yet you can't see them. But in the darkest nights, you can see the stars the best. And that's when we... Shine the brightest. When can you bear the most effective witness for Jesus Christ? When you are in the in the darkest place, it may be a place of personal trial where you radiate, radiate with God's joy in spite of your situation. It may be uh, you're in a dark situation at work or school, surrounded by crooked and perverse people. Now, if you do all things without complaining or disputing, but rather are blameless, pure, and above reproach, as Paul talks about filled with joy in the Lord, you are going to shine. Many people never read the Bible. Get that, right? Many people in this room never read the Bible, really, as a, as a, as a general rule. But people will read you. People will read you. What is it that they are reading? What is it they are seeing when they read you? you know, as, Paul wrote, as Paul wrote Philippians, he was in a dark place, and so it was Ephesians too in prison, facing possible execution under Emperor Nero. Christians were preaching in Rome, uh, slandering him out of envy and strife, but Paul says that if his life is poured out as a drink offering on the altar, if it was upon the sacrifice and service of the Philippians' faith, he rejoiced and shared that joy with them. Our lives shine as we put off complaining and disputing, and living joy, especially doing trials. So, for the last two weeks, you we haven't heard anything. You're, you're shining the brightest for Christ when you're content with Him. When it's Christ plus nothing. When it is the darkest hour of your life. When people can clearly see who you are. Because that's when we are, that's when we are, are who we are, right? In the darkest hours of our lives. Not in the good times, really. is in the bad times. That's when you're going to shine bright. And people will read you. And what is it that your book is telling them? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You have been united to Christ by faith. So you are the light of the world. Each one of you is a single beam light. When put together, is the most focused, powerful beam that the world can see. The church of Jesus Christ, contented with her Lord, loving each other, Darkness is just going to run away and all things will be exposed as you and I just walk as Christ has made us, as children of light. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that you're a good God who has shown life in our lives. We pray that we would be instruments in your hands in exposing darkness. Give us faith to believe in what you've taught us this morning. And give us grace to live the things that you called us to live this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.